Am I all right to put some of your music onto the podcast when I put it out? <laughs> yeah, I thought so. <laughs> Is there a particular track you would like me sort of to put on as a final track, or can I just pick pick one? <laughs> oh yeah, you can pick. I think you know. Um, yeah, totally up to you. I, um, your heart is in my chest. It, it seems sort yeah. of related to this song, but this yeah. uh, film, this film, because it's all it's very from the heart. This film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah. That probably yeah. goes down nicely. Actually, that probably fits quite well. Yeah. That was me talking with Luke Concanon, and as you heard, he said I could use his music on the podcast. Thanks, Luke. This is the My Favourite Film Podcast, and I am Gav Smith. I'm flying solo this week, so there's no Gary. We've had some slight issues with scheduling, so this week's episode, which was supposed to be Ariane Shreen, is not going to be Ariane Shreen. Instead, it is singer and songwriter Luke Concanon. Luke came in to talk about a very different film, one that we've not done anything like before, uh, a documentary film. Uh, called Ram Das, Fierce Grace. Uh, this is about the life of a spiritual guru, Ram Das. Like I say, very, very different to anything we've done before. There will be spoilers, as always. So let's just get straight into the conversation with Luke. So, Luke, what was that question you had? Are you ready to sing? Are you ready to swing? Are you ready to fly? Are you ready to die? Are you ready to wake? Are you ready to break? Are you ready to shake? Are you ready to quake? Hello, Luke. How's things? Hi, Gav. I'm really happy that we're going to get to hang out and talk about film and whatever else sort of imps or fairies take us off on a journey <laughs> to go to today. We'll talk about whatever is fun to talk about. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Um, so before we sort of get into it, I know who you are, but could you just sort of introduce yourself to the, the listeners and let them know what what you do, a little bit about yourself, that type of thing? Well, I'm a singer-songwriter. You might best know me, if you're old enough, from the JCB song, which um, uh, me and my best pal had a hit with in 2005, 2006. Uh, I'm Luke on fire, my dad's Bruce Lee, drives me around in his JCB. Um and these days, I'm best I'm best known because Ed Sheeran calls me his childhood hero, um, and says like, I you know like I got everything from Luke or whatever, which is very generous of him because uh, he got stuff from other people. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I'm a singer somewhere, and I'm really interested in like people power, um, passion, the truth, and just the way that art can, art changes us, right? Um, it, it, it changes us in small and big ways. And I think that's so important, particularly in a, in a time where we feel so much stress about climate change or about war or politics or whatever. I think we need stories and songs that water the good seeds in us and bring us together. And so that's what I'm interested in. Excellent, yeah. I am old enough to remember the JCB, so I can't believe it was that long ago either. <laughs> and how nice Almost that was. 20 years ago. Yeah, I know. And a little acoustic version there. That was quite nice. <laughs> Thanks for that. Oh, um, you've come on tonight to talk about um, Ramdas Fierce Grace, which is a very interesting documentary about the the life of Ram Das, basically. I don't know how you can, but can you give us a quick sort of plot synopsis of this film? Tell us a little bit about it. So Ram Das um, grew up 
as Richard Alpert. Um, he was a very successful Harvard psychology professor. And then um, through the 60s psychedelic consciousness expansion movement, etc., he went on this journey and he ended up in India with a guru like all the good hippies do. Yep. Um, but what's interesting is that um, it transformed him into um, a very deep, very generous and trans transformative person. And it's, um, it's about his life post stroke as an older man. And it's yeah. about fierce grace as in suffering that opens a heart. Fair enough. Yeah. That, that, I think that's probably, that probably works. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds a lot like, I mean, I came in this um, called, as we were saying, just before I started recording, um, have never heard of Ram Dass at all. So my first sort of introduction was this, and it's a, it's an odd start of the film from that point of view, if you come into it from that point of view, because it's just this old guy getting out of his car who's obviously lost some control of limbs and then talks about a stroke. And then it then gets into his life and you go, oh, right, okay, that's what it's about. I actually thought it was going to be a film about um, strokes and about getting through having a stroke and what it's like. So it was interesting the way that it brought into the film. What I presume you came to it knowing a little bit more about him, did you? Or... Did you come in and call the same as I did the first time you watched it? I have a mentor, um, a Scots activist called Alistair McIntosh, and he sent me the DVD of it back when people still burnt DVDs. <laughs> um, so about 10 years ago. And, um, you know, Alistair would be very influenced by Ram Dass. Um, and so for me to get you know, my teacher's teacher, as it were, yeah. to get an insight into that was very, this is just such a powerful film. And it, to me, it just talks about um, the power of spirituality, really, yeah. of, of, a, of a spiritual lens on, on life. You know, like the, a lot of us get pretty exhausted with all the woo-woo kind of, away with the fairies stuff yeah and it can be a very very powerful perspective for changing the world like as martin luther king showed or yeah yeah gandhi showed or malcolm x or who you know um there's something transformative about seeing uh us as as profoundly interconnected and so how can we make life beautiful or right? if we're right. all in it together yeah. If we're if we're not just competing, like what what might we do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you you came into it. So it was your your mentor introduced you to it then. Yeah. Yeah. So when did it sort of become, I guess, a favorite film? Is it something? Would you sit down and just watch it any time? Is it one that you put on lots, or is it just one you yeah. recommend to people? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Um, I really value meaning and if, if something makes me cry, then it tends to be up there. Yeah. And so, so you and I were going to talk about, I've got two other favorite films and one is Whale Rider, uh, Maori, it's just the Maori story. And, yep. and the, yeah, so to me, anything that it, it has deep meaning gets me. And this one just, it just 
yeah it's 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 kind of transcendent do you know what i mean yeah, it sort of takes you yeah. above yeah. above a lot of the drama of human life and makes you go yeah. whoa there's another way of looking at this yeah it's got a lot going on and there's a, a big section where it is telling you about his his life journey i suppose going from that harvard professor that was looking into different things and then working with hallucinogens to I couldn't work out actually. You might be able to help me on this one. Was his experiment to try and give people a religious experience through drugs or yeah. to try and disprove religion by drugs? I couldn't quite uh, work out which part of that it was. Or <laughs> Yeah, well it, it's true that at that um at that stage he was a skeptical intellectual rather than like a mystic who had kind of yeah. had these had these religious experiences that that he thought were actually that had something to them they weren't just delusional yeah um and um so i think you're right there's a bit of both he's kind right. of hoping that there's some deep meaning in this in these yeah. psychedelic trips yeah and then there's there's a kind of highly trained analyst in him who's just wanting to show that it's all a bunch of hocus pocus and he can disprove it all <laughs> yeah. with his rational brilliance you know yeah yeah that, that's kind of what I, I took from it was it was that because the way he then obviously later on um going to india and meeting um up with a, a guru over there who sort of rechristened him and whatever else he obviously he became a very changed man at that point um and there's a lot more in his life before that point before i'm getting there um, he did an awful lot of drugs, I think, obviously in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like that commune that he set up was basically just a, an LSD den, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wall to wall. Yeah. Because, I mean, it, it, they take you to the, the old house and show you it and, and kind of go, yeah. And none of them could remember how many rooms there were. Because I think there's, there's three people. <laughs> One says 42, one says 55, so one says 30. <laughs> lots of drugs. Yeah, lots. <laughs> um, what do you think there's a, oh, other than that we're all sort of transcending beings and we're all here to just be nice to each other, What what is the film trying to tell us? What's the sort of point of the film? What's it? What's it trying to tell us rather than what Ram Dass is trying to tell us what's the film trying to tell us oh, yeah you're good at this man um, <laughs> sorry <laughs> good questions yeah um the films I, I think you're right that a good film isn't just propaganda for the for the person's point of view it's yeah. trying to have a lens on that person um and I think what it's saying is that there's something interesting and valuable in this story. And I think the sort of moral of the tale is that suffering can be a way to like break your heart open into being a bit, a bigger heart yeah, to be yeah. able to care and have more yeah. compassion. Yeah. Or it can be um, something that makes you stiff and brittle and makes you kind of explode with rage or whatever. Yeah. But, um, it's a story. It's a story of how um, Ram Dass found a way for it to open his heart, and he's still yeah. finding. You know, it was still there after his stroke, where he's suffering a lot. Yeah, yeah. He's finding a way to open his heart, and then he's 
helping other people who have had catastrophic suffering yeah. and trauma to open rather than close. Yeah, that, that, that sounds reasonable. That sounds like what it's trying to get to, I guess. I mean, there's there's two sort of elements in the story that are, I call it a story um, that go off on a kind of tangent, but they link back to it because there's the the small section you get towards the start with the couple who that their daughter dies and you don't actually find out how she died but the police are obviously there and police are involved but they then talk about a letter that Ramdas sent to them and how that changed the way they thought about that death and obviously that's linking into how he stretched out to people to help people whenever he could um, which then links to the last the very final scene which is a scene between him and a girl whose whose boyfriend has been shot um, by activists at some point, um, and her burying that the body rather than burying the the person because that's what they kind of talk about that it's just the body you're burying the, the spirit still alive and whatever else and how he gets her through the grieving process. So obviously, as a man who suffered a lot himself, I mean at this point he's he's had a stroke, he's got no mobility down his can't drink think now right hand side, I think it is. Um, but he he obviously has had an awful lot of suffering, but he speaks so eloquently and so brilliantly to help people through their suffering whilst kind of forgetting his own pain. How I mean, is that kind of what you you think's going on here with this this guy and how they're trying to portray him? It sounds like you're seeing that his path through suffering is service. Yeah. Well, I think he says yeah. that himself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's all like his because he because he talks about um can you remember his his guru's name i've not i've not oh watched the film I, in ages. Do you know what i've got it written down i've got it written down i wrote it down once i was i was taking notes i do take notes sometimes you know it's amazing i'm quite good it's the maharaji yeah maharaji yeah. maharaji yeah um so it so you find out in the film that he he goes to India and he starts seeing that all of these experiences he'd had with his um, consciousness via experimenting with psychedelics, that um, in India there were thousands of years of people experimenting with consciousness yeah. and uh, and a whole culture, languages, are every you know, and teachers. So he finds a teacher and. It seems that this guy, Maharaji, um, I think he was also like, I think he also taught like Steve Jobs and like. Yeah, I think he taught an awful lot of people. Yeah. Like a load of, a load of crazy leaders. Yeah. Big, big impact on a lot of lives, I think. Yeah. 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 And apparently, because he would just like walk around in a, in a robe and just either say to people, Ram which is like the Hindu name for God or go away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone was coming to him to try to learn. He would just be like, he would just be like, basically God's the only one who can help you leave me alone. And then <laughs> but to, to other people, he just, he, he talked about like four things. Um, love people, serve people and feed people. Yeah. And then yeah. he would also say, and remember, remember God, like, cause yeah. he's coming from a Hindu perspective. Yeah. And, um, and so 
as someone transformed by him, Ramdas goes into this life of deep service. And so you see him wrestling with the toughest things like, how do you write a letter to the recently bereaved parents who it, it, what we assume from the film is that their very young daughter was murdered. Yes. Yeah. And so he, and, but he, um, yeah, he reaches out to people and, um, you see, uh, it seems to help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it seemed, I mean, the, the, the father certainly in that video is, is still very upset by it, but when his wife starts reading the letter, he seems to calm down very quickly when she's reading it. So it's almost like he's able to use the words to reprocess and, and get back to where he should be. It's, it's, it, I say, it's, it's a really interesting story of, of this guy's life and how he became what he became. Um, Cause it starts with his upbringing to a certain point. They, they kind of go through this bit at the start where they're going, you know, he's had a stroke. This is where he is. And then they go back through his life and his upbringing in America seemed like, just any old normal childhood they lived on this massive i can't remember what i said now it was 120 acre farm they called it even though they didn't farm anything um with his two brothers and they went down the lake often they had a a three-hole golf course and stuff like this (laughs) absolutely wonderful idyllic life that he has he goes off to harvard because he's incredibly bright becomes professor um and then gets into drugs I suppose, to a certain extent, and experimenting with more than anything else. Um, But when he comes back from India, and there's a lovely bit with his father talking on the video where his father just goes, yeah, he's come back, he's brought all these people with him, but he he seems to be doing good, so we're fine with it. And he's walking around there with his robes and no shoes on and long hair and a beard, and it's just like this very conservative family seem to just accept that this is okay. Yeah. I mean, what do you think of that, that sort of, perception that obviously his family just yeah it, it's this is normal this is what he does it's amazing isn't it it's a testament to them yeah it's a testament to how open they were because it was in i guess maybe like the early 60s yeah um or may oh, at some point i think at some point in the 60s and he's gone from being the model son you know with yeah. like loads of staff at Harvard working for him in <laughs> yeah. a huge wage. And he's got his own private plane. He flies yeah. Yeah. and he's got this, he's like an empire building, um, world leading psychologist. Yeah, yeah. And then he kind of, th- then he comes back as this sort of mystic who's just teaching people how to meditate and stuff. And, yeah. and his parents are very, and his whole family are very kind of like, I think it's fantastic. And it's like, wow, wow. I mean, I remember it's interesting, right? My, um, my folks in the seventies got into the whole, uh, transcendental meditation thing, you know, um, Maharishi, the Beatles got into it, didn't they? Yeah. And, um, you know, um, my dad's parents were, um, from the west of Ireland and they worked very hard. You know, my granddad was digging roads all his life, laying tarmac and um and so they were they were, you know, rural Catholic people. And they seemed to be really cool with with their son getting really into transcendental meditation and like yeah. and and um my nan, you know, she would 
she was obviously devoutly Catholic. She wasn't going to convert, but she loved, <laughs> she loved practicing meditation with them. Yeah. And, um, and so there is this, that, that at least in, in some, I think in a lot of people, there is that thing, like they said, as long as my child is happy and they're doing good. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, I suppose it helps if they're safe, like if they've got a bit yeah, of yeah. money in the bank. Yeah. Then, <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm I'm wondering how all this cuz how does all the sort of god stuff land with you cuz it's very it's it's like a very spiritual movie with lots of references yeah. to, to see that. I'm I'm not particularly religious I suppose I I kind of both my both my children have been Christian and mum was religious I guess I've I've grown up in a, in a world where you know you did you did religion at school and you said your prayers at school and that was the way it was but I kind of I'd like to think there's something else there, but I'm not sure. I'm kind of a little bit with um, Ramdas on it. It is his because I kind of after watching it, I've looked a little bit into what he sort of talked about, and his book "Be Here Now" yeah. is very much. It's not from a religious point of view. It's about the spirit, and it's mm-hmm. about basically it's a, it's very much about being good and about how to be good and how to help other people by being good, um, which I think to a certain extent is what all religion is trying to do. All religion is just about, you know, being nice to everybody. And I think there's a, although I'm not particularly religious, I think there's a very good moral compass in all religion or pretty much all religion at their heart. They're all the same thing that, you know, there's, there's good in the world and there's evil in the world, but actually we're all good. The world runs a lot better. And if you're nice to your fellow man, everything's just going to be a nicer place anyway. And that's pretty much what all the teachings of religion try to say. And that's the same, really, as what Ram Dass is saying, as far as I could see. And like totally, I say, yeah. I've done a very small amount of research into it. I probably should do a lot more now I've sort of seen this film. And it, I think it will inspire me to have a look and maybe buy a copy of the book and have a read of it just to, to see what it's like. You know, I noticed on Kindle, it's only 179, so why yeah. not? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, have, is it that something, have you read the sort of the book and or his following follow book i think that's still here later on are there things you've read since or? the only the only book of his i've read is a book he because he died like three or four years yeah, ago 2019 yeah and a couple years before he died he put out a book with mirabai mirabai bush is it is that a name um and it's called walking each other home the idea that the like life is a journey and then we go home to to the ultimate dimension yeah. of be it like being well, I like the way the Zen teachers put it right that 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 we're a wave, um, that your life is kind of a wave, but it comes out of something else, right? Like the the what you are is full of not you elements, like the water, the yep. soil, yeah, your parents, people who've taught you and t- you know, informed you and sh- shaped you, uh, and then. You know, and that actually come, ends up coming from like the sun and the whole cosmos basically creates everything. And so it, so an individual life is like a wave that comes and then goes down. And so when you die, you go home to the sea, right? right? Like, like, and so, so his book is called um, Walking Each Other Home. Right. And uh, that was, it's great. Um, but there was something so powerful about the film, I think, because it was grounded in those um stories and yeah i mean uh, 
I find it like I wrestle with it a bit because, for example, he goes to um, at one point he goes to an acupuncturist, doesn't yes. he? And yes. uh, and you know when I look up acupuncture on Wikipedia, it says like acupuncture is a pseudoscience. There's no data yeah. saying that it does anything, yeah. and so I'm sure that there's a sort of rational lens on a lot of it. And I'm, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of devout atheists who would be like, how, you know, <laughs> would argue with a lot of things in the film yeah. all day long. And, but maybe, maybe there are also devout atheists who would be like, and having that perspective where like you say, um, he has a, a spiritual perspective, which doesn't necessarily mean like a, the, the spirit is like a ghost body, like a, yeah. a, a soul that exists like as a ghost after you die. But, yeah. but it's like a zooming out to uh, a, a view of life where um, we sort of see it from a long distance out. Um, and from from that lens, a lot of human drama um, doesn't matter so much, but what does matter is um, love, basically. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, is that where your sort of your sort of take on the whole religion thing comes from? That it just it's all just down to love. Is that to sort of throw your question back at you? You know, I've been. I've been going to a uh, Buddhist Sangha the last couple of years uh, right. in the Thich Nhat Hanh tradition. We've been, we've been losing a lot of great teachers or at least they've been leaving their bodies in recent years, you know, so Thich Nhat Hanh died uh, in December. Right. Um, or was it January? Anyway. Um, so, so what's really helped me about that is that it helps me see what you said about how religions that are based on, on love, um, all have a hell of a lot in common. So Thich Nhat Hanh talks about how um, the pure land of the Buddha, which they talk about, which is basically being awake. Yeah. When you really fully let go of all the st stories and things we make up in our head and we're really here, you just see how beautiful it is. Like yeah. all these colors and shapes I can see right now and just like the sound <laughs> of, of, of your laughter and like, just like it's it, it, the pure land of the Buddha in that is just being awake and alive. And you start seeing, um, it's like Nirvana is waking up basically, right. wake up to, to reality. And he, and Thich Nhat Hanh says, and that is the same as the kingdom of God. Like the kingdom of God is basically being in touch with everything, which puts you in touch with the ultimate as in like you, you, feel the universe and anyway you know fuck it all. sorry sorry it's all right but yes i think i think one of the things about it is that masters in you know like a zen master like him spends his whole life and and it's pretty hard to put it into a few words but absolutely yeah but, but I, th I think to answer your question about religion um i think they're all trying to find ways to touch the ultimate um and yeah love is certainly there but you can't have if there was no hate there'd be no love if you have no up you have True. no down so yeah so it's like it's actually just a way of being with things as they are and 
I don't know what it is, but for me, a spiritual practice and a spiritual approach is much more meaningful and can take me much further and make a lot more beauty happen in the world for me and who I am than a purely rational, like, I'm going to base everything purely on the data at hand. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's, no, I, I believe in data. I don't yeah. I just, there's something about this spiritual practice and um, perspective that just works for me and makes me cry in Ram Dass's film. Yeah, fair enough. That, <laughs> <laughs> that there are certainly elements of it that can make you cry. Um, going back to that, the, the film, what what parts of the film are the ones that touch you the most, mm. or that you you feel that you know if, if someone was going to watch this film and they couldn't, they didn't have an hour and a half to spare, which most people do, but they didn't have it because they've got other things to watch on Netflix. Um, <laughs> I'd say stop <laughs> watching things on Netflix and watch this. <laughs> which scene would you say you must watch this scene this is the one that will make you want to watch the rest of the film i think when i've sh when i've shown it to people like family members who would be very atheist or whatever yeah. I've, I've been like but you've got to check this out um um that that scene where he the one you talked about where he writes to the bereaved parents mm. whose daughter died in tragic criminal circumstances yeah. and the the he the ramdas's words and his world view and what he's received from his teacher and his experience allows him to comfort what we would see as totally unbearable one of the lines in the letter is only when you have borne the un something like only when you have borne the unbearable god it's 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 i almost don't want to say it out of context but he says he says only when you have borne the unbearable will you be able to see as god sees and love as god loves now out of context that could sound really crass or callous but yeah. but it's it is that idea that's you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, whether it's going through an addiction or a bereavement or that they die, they kind of part a big part of them or their old self kind of dies and then they have to start a whole new world. Hmm. Um, and I thought it was really amazing that he'd help them do that. And so I think my favorite scenes are where he's dealing with tra tragic grief and yeah finds a way to help people um get away from just being totally attached to how much pain they're in yeah and to see how much they love the person yeah how much how much they are still um connected with that person because if you love that person and they are in your consciousness every day then they've not left right they're still you still have a relationship with them. You can still talk to them. You can still ask them yeah. things. Yeah. And they they continue in you. They continue in all that they have touched. Yeah. And he's just helping people get beyond the small story, which is like death is terrible and it's the end and it's yeah. a crime against it's a crime against the living. Yeah. Uh, to a, to an idea that actually 
suffering deepens us and um i think he does an amazing job of wrestling with suffering and you know what some people call the problem of yeah. evil like why does evil exist yeah but wouldn't it be better if there was no evil in the world yeah yeah and i mean what do you think does that does that but sound it, it, yeah that sounds like the, the type of thing he's trying to say and it, as you said before without evil then you can't have love because you've got to have an up and a down everything there's got to be a dark side and a light side hasn't there it's the whole yin and yang that yeah that we all know about through from very early age yeah you said that it's film that makes you cry so which scenes particularly make you cry i don't want to make you cry obviously by thinking about them but <laughs> <laughs> which ones are the ones that make you cry oh no i've made him cry um, uh, <laughs> yeah definitely definitely that letter to the bereaved parents yeah um definitely where he's with the the young woman who's lover has been killed by yeah. it seemed like they were sort of because his he was an activist in the yes. rainforest or something and, yes. and they, they they were um people who were trying to stop the activists and they killed him and just the way that he doesn't run away from suffering no no and 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 we i do mm. and i think our whole culture does yeah yeah like the way we deal with it is someone someone's grieving and we say i'm sorry for your loss and now let's get drunk yeah yeah <laughs> pretty much and 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 then, and then we have some of the sort of religious rites that we do which you know have some some comfort for people but but they're a bit dis, you know dissociated it's like you just do it for a wedding or a funeral and that's it yeah. and and so um he dares to go towards the suffering and to say like uh, in the case of this woman whose husband whose beloved had been killed he um he just one is he lets go of any drama so he's not getting stuck in the kind of oh it's so terrible stuff yeah. it's just like he's like you said very matter of fact and calm so yeah. he's he's unattached he's you know, that's one it's like a spiritual practice isn't it letting go of an attachment yeah, yeah. to an outcome yeah. so he's in the moment he's unattached he's letting go and he's just being there for this woman who's suffering and yeah. and then he can ask her some questions and it comes out that she'd had a dream and this is gonna yes. make me cry actually feel it <laughs> oh, <now. no. laughs> she had a dream where um her lover who'd been who'd been dead for a while comes to her and she's like oh my god like i can you know where have you been i've been wanting to see you yeah and um i've had that experience when people i love have died where um i've had that experience of them still kind of being around and yeah. i'm kind of wondering where are they yeah it's like a feeling in my body that there's there's some sort of period where it feels like they're between this world and another world yeah, yeah. and and so the, the lover comes back to her and says um this is gonna make me cry um he's like he's like what we had was small peanuts and um you're gonna find someone else and i'll be in that connection yeah and that just killed me i was just yeah. like because it's like a it's a story that's setting her free from feeling like she has to like yeah mourn him forever and that's the end of her life and yeah 
and um, showing that all of us are held within a bigger reality, like the universe is a big place. <laughs> we don't have to get attached to the little stories that we do, yeah. even when they feel so big in the moment. Yeah. And that she could let go and that she could continue her love for him throughout her life and that it would be there in her, in her next love. And yeah. that just killed me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kills me because it's true. Yeah, absolutely. It's true. Yeah. And, and, yeah 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 thank you no <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to make you cry <laughs> oh do you know what i i am um, you know i don't uh, i wrote a song from the perspective of my nan after she'd had a stroke i actually wrote it before i saw this film and yeah when i play it live um quite a lot of people have cried over the years and i yeah. think then why do we go out to uh we either go to laugh or cry yeah or preferably both and yeah. sing and dance yeah, yeah 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 i was gonna ask so you thanks for making me cry that's right <laughs> i was gonna ask you do you have a, a connection to sort of stroke and obviously you said your nan there had a, a stroke so is that was that did that influence you at all in the film and when you're watching it and make you feel anything different when you're watching it yeah both um both my mum's parents had strokes right um i don't know you know because it's because nan had a stroke in 2011 and maybe i watched this film in i don't know they were around a similar time but it's 10 years ago in my brain do you know what i mean like yeah i didn't know whether it was sort of the stroke thing had been a, a reason for watching it or if there was some link there but it, it's it's fine um I'm just My Uncle I'm, Roy had a stroke too as well. Yeah. Right. It's, a, it's a trip, isn't it? It does it, oh, it's another yeah. it's another psych, psychological trip because it opens things and closes things. Yeah. And... Yeah. yeah. It's it's a, a weird thing. I've I've known people who've had strokes and it's uh, it's strange the way it can affect them and how different the person that comes out the other side can be as well, which is a really odd thing. Just a couple of final sort of questions. One, could you sell the film for me in about 30 seconds? <laughs> Okay. Okay. Um, Sophia's Grace is a deep exploration of the um, the light that is on the other side of suffering and the hope that can get us through suffering. And it'll make you cry. It'll open your mind and um, open your heart. Brilliant. That sounds about right. <laughs> That works quite well, that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was good to say, actually, because I, I looked up on the internet to find what Fierce Grace was all about. And on the internet, it reckons that Fierce Grace is finding golden opportunities in life's silver linings, which I think is is lovely. Um, but Ramdas speaks about it later on, that he has a Fierce Grace because he has um, a want to continue doing things which side of it do you fall on that that trying to find these golden opportunities and silver linings so trying to find the best in everything or the want to continue doing what you're doing through your suffering oh right so like the, his fierceness is to keep going not, yeah. not to give up yeah and that and the, he sees that as being a bit of a gift he's been given by yeah. like his guru or whoever yeah jeez yeah. you're a very intelligent man <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I just see, I think I see a lot in, in things. When I watch films and things, I, I think about them a lot. And then when I know I'm going to do a talk with someone about it, then I obviously think, well, what, what can I say about this? What can I do? I mean, there's so much in this. Well, I could talk about this all night quite happily. Um, and you're very easy to talk to about this type of stuff. So this, oh. it's very nice. Um, it's been a good chat so far. Um, it's 21 years old, this film now. And obviously, it's three years since Ram Dass is dead. Do you think it's it's dated at all? Do you think it, it's lost anything in that time? Or do you think it's still as powerful now as it would have been back in 2001? I think it's still... I mean, the essential theme, themes are all still... They're pretty eternal, right? Yeah. Um, um, and there's something very powerful about seeing a film in its time, because for example, at one point he talks about how he has this practice of trying to love everybody. Yes. And so he looks, he looks on his shrine and he's like, yeah. good morning, Krishna. Yeah. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Gandhi. Good morning, George W. Bush. <laughs> yeah. He's like trying to practice loving George W. Bush. Yeah. Whereas if he'd made it today, it would have been good morning, Donald Trump. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm trying really hard to love you, Donald. <laughs> it's really hard, man. Can you go easier on us? <laughs> so, um, so you know, you're you're such a you seem like such a compassionate person. I think the kids you work with are very lucky. You know. Thank you, thank you. Is there anything we've missed? Is there anything that you would like to speak about about the film that we think we've missed, Sam? Um. um what would what do you think the most important thing about the film is? Oh, do you know what? I, I, the, from my point of view, I think I now need, after seeing the film, I need to look into his teachings a little bit more, and I need to read it. Yeah. I, I like to read things that people have written that are of this type. Like I say, I'm not a massively religious man, but I believe there's, there's something in all those religious teachings that make perfect sense to me. So seeing someone's take that from what they say in the, the film is it's a non-religious text um, taking on these concepts of religion in a different way. I think that it'd be an interesting thing to read. So, yeah. but I, I quite like the thing that I found on the internet that, you know, that it's finding golden opportunities and silver linings. And if there are just these little glimmers of hope somewhere that you can take something and make something bigger out of it, I think that's a, a powerful message. Yeah. Especially in these times. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's it. I think we're going to need this sort of perspective more and more as, as, as the old world collapses. You know, yeah. as as capitalism and patriarchy and imperialism yeah. and um, <laughs> everything else, white white supremacy, <laughs> as they, please God, crumble. Um, there's going to be a lot of dying, and how do we deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, mate. It has been brilliant talking to you. Um, before you go, is there anything, everyone, where can people find you out there in the big wide world? And, you know, what have you got to sell at the minute? That type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Let you plug it. <laughs> um, well, I'm over touring in the UK in um, mid-September through mid-October. And um, uh, please sign my mailing list on my website. Then I can tell you is about the, the gigs and um planning on hosting a songwriting workshop in the autumn in the UK too. Cool. Uh, and if anyone wants me to come play a wee gig for their community, I do house concerts. Oh. I coach songwriters. I help them to realize their potential as artists, making a positive difference in the world. 
and you know buy my new range of golf clubs which are only <laughs> only four million dollars excellent i'll drop some straight away <laughs> I'll put links to the website on the show notes and things like that as well. So that'll be all right. Yeah. And the new album. Gav, you're a great man. I fucking loved today. I'm sorry oh, I was swearing. It's all right. Don't worry. Um, the new album, Ecstatic Bird and the Burning. It's a, a lovely album. I can highly, highly recommend it. So, yeah. Thank you very much, oh, Luke. Oh, do you know, I was, I was listening I was listening to my young friend, Tom Leader, earlier on. Tom Leader Music. Check him out. Okay. He is a... He is a triple threat. He's like amazing singer, amazing songwriter, amazing musician. Wow. I'm really jealous. Okay. I'll check him out. I'll, I will. I'll check him out. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll <laughs> oh, okay. see you soon, Gav. Okay, thanks a lot. Bye. Loads of love. Your heart is in my chest. Your heart is in my chest. I'm crossing the blue sound to bow myself down. Your heart is in my chest. This girl is a lantern on the island through the wind, through the rain. Now I smile and gave me a wildfire inside on the train leaving you through the dark journaling the big bang in my heart expanding at the speed of the stars little bells are ringing and I'm tight throated singing your raiment. If I let you hear, your heart is in my chest. Your heart is in my chest. I'm crossing the blue sound. To bow myself down Your heart is in my chest A hungry heart, a spinning mind Inspired bones kissed you like Wanderer coming home Sunlit bay with goals calling There's a new being dreaming And my body started healing Is it time to walk to you? Yeah. Thanks Luke, it was great to talk to you uh, Playing us into that interview was Absolute Mont And playing you out was My Heart Is In Your Chest Both from Luke's latest album Which is The Ecstatic Bird In The Burning It's a great album and I highly recommend it he has got a new single out this week, which is called What Would You Change? And that is out on the 26th of June 2022. So if you're listening in the future, it may already be out. <gasps> anyway, 
next time, Gaz will be back. We have got three more interviews to do for Series 2. We've got Ariane Shireen talking about 13 going on 30. Eurovanko, who's talking about what we do in the shadows, and Rialina talking about Hello Dolly. All of them are coming very, very, very soon. If you are enjoying the podcast and you want to get in touch, the best way is by email. It's myfavoritefilmpodcast at gmail.com. Or on Twitter, it's at myfavoritefilm. On Instagram, it's at myfavoritefilmpodcast. On Facebook, just search up My Favourite Film. We've got a community group and a normal page on there where we put loads of stuff about what's happening, okay? If you want to support us, the best way is to pop on over to Spotify, give us a five-star rating, or you go over to Apple Podcasts or Good Pods and give us a five-star rating and review. Those ratings and reviews help the podcast get found by other people. Wow. All of the information you will find on our website, which is www.myfavoritefilm.com. I think that's it. So, for me, till next time, bye-bye. What would you change if you lost somebody? If you lost someone? I'm glad that you're safe, mother. When some are passing a sickness. Finally, thanks to Acast for hosting the website and to Max Smith for the theme tune composition. To get in touch with the podcast, remember that website is www.myfavoritefilm.com. 